Welcome everyone to today's devotion. Obviously, I'm not in the office. I am in a car uh, waiting for uh, my mother uh, to get out of her doctor's appointment or follow her up on her surgery. So uh, we're going to redneck this thing today. We're actually starting a, a brand new book. Uh, we finished First Peter Friday, and we're starting, uh, this will be the third gospel we've gone through, so we still haven't gone through Mark. Um, and, and so we're looking at the Gospel of John. John is my favorite of the four Gospels. It is the book that I encourage people to actually start reading the Bible in. Um, it's, it's very straightforward. Um, and uh, it's a book that is um, shallow enough for a child to wade in its waters, deep enough to drown an elephant. Um, and in fact, all of the Johannine writings outside of Revelation, of course, um, are pretty uh, uh, easy to read, easy to follow, and whatnot. And then when you go back over them over and over again, you discover something new. Um, so in chapter one is a very, very important uh, chapter. Um, and uh, I don't, I'm not able to have the text in front of me um, with my phone here. So I'm going to do some of this off the top of my head. So if I get a reference wrong, for forgive me in advance. Um, but I just want to highlight is, is chapter one is a is one of the more important chapters of the Bible. Not that some chapters are more important than others or at least more inspired or something like that. But it is to say that in terms of developing a, the, the, the theology of, of, of what Scripture presents and the truth of Christ and, and God and the Bible and all that, chapter one is an immensely important one. Uh, for each of the four Gospels begin their Gospel differently. They all tell the same story, but they begin differently because they all have four different purposes and, and perspectives. Matthew begins with the genealogy because he wants you to see that Jesus is the king of Israel. Mark jumps right into it and says, this is the gospel of Mark, or this is the gospel according to Jesus, you know, all that. Um, and, and he gives you a very pithy introduction to who this Jesus is and what he's doing. Uh, Luke begins with his investigation, uh, and, and he dedicates it to Theophilus, which probably the person paying for it. Um, at least for the printing, it was quite expensive to, to print, particularly a document as long as Luke. John begins at the beginning. And so it begins in verse 1 with the phrase, in the beginning, which clearly connects the reader to Genesis chapter 1. So what we have here is, is um, a, 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 new, a, a new Genesis, a, a new creation account. And it's important for us to see um, the, the Gospel of John in that light. Um, because you cannot separate redemption from creation. Um, the redemption is more than joining a team or picking a side. That's what you do in politics. But when it comes to the gospel, you're, you're actually, um, you're actually taking on a new identity. So Paul will speak of new creation, that we are new creatures. Uh, John will describe at the end of Revelation as a new Jerusalem, a new city, a new heavens, a new earth, a new creation, right? This is gospel language, uh, that we are not who we once were. We don't even recognize that person anymore because we are new creatures in Christ. So we begin with that. In the beginning was the word. The, the word there is logos. Now, the word logos means word, and it's just translated word. But in Greek thought, it carries more than that. So, so um, well, in Greek thought, you, you have all the gods, but, but then there is this unifying idea called the logos. And, and some, Greek, some Greek philosophers, not all of them, 
And what John seems to be doing is he's pulling ideas with the word logos from Greek thought and Jewish thought. I don't want to spend forever on this. He's pulled them together and saying, uh, he who holds all things together is the beginning of all things. He's creator of all things. He's the savior of all things. His name is Christ. So in the beginning was the logos. So there in Genesis 1-1, who is there? Yes, it is God the Father. Yes, it is God the Spirit. But there is God the Son, the logos. So in the beginning was the word, the logos. Um, the word was with God, thus distinct from. The word was God, thus unified with. This is the mystery of the Trinity, uh, where we emphasize both unity and distinction. Uh, so the Father, Son, and Spirit, we believe in one God, but we believe in distinction of the Godhead. God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. The Father is not the Son, the Son is not the Spirit, the Spirit is not the Father. Yet we believe in one God. So we already see where this gospel is is leading us. Matthew wants us to see Jesus as the king, uh, Mark as the suffering servant, Luke as the son of man. Uh, John is going to present him as the son of God. Uh, he is divine. And so this is going to be a major emphasis of John's gospel. So in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God. Uh, and, and we see uh, verses two to four that um Jesus is the, of course, he doesn't identify Jesus yet. That goes down to verse 14. Um, we see that the word is the creator of all things. Nothing that came into being came into being apart from his creative act. Um, but but let me just summarize chapter one as briefly as I can. And I feel like I won't do it justice, but um, I've got some limitations here. First, uh, there's four L words that John introduces us to Jesus. And and throughout his gospel, he's going to return to these themes. And I just want to introduce them. One is logos. We see that in the first verse, don't we? Um, and, and by logos, he means the, the divine uh, being, that Jesus is divine. He's one with the Father, distinct from. He is the Son of God. And this theme, although the word logos won't be prominent, the theme introduced here will be. So we see Jesus creating um, new wine in chapter 2. He turns water into wine. We see Jesus creating uh, uh, light in, in the blind man in chapter 9. We see Jesus uh, as, as a true and better Moses when he feeds the 5,000. We, 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 we see these themes of creation throughout the narrative. Uh, climaxing, uh, yes, in the resurrection, but, but before the passion, it climaxes in the resurrection of Lazarus. He is the creator of life. I am the resurrection and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Uh, there in, in, later in chapter 14. So, um, so this theme of logos, even without the word, is clearly articulated and developed as it goes. So we see logos. We also see um, the theme of light. You see there in the first four verses that Jesus was the light. And then after that, we see that there was a man named John. This is not the writer. This is the baptizer. John the Baptist, who came to bear testimony to the light. John was not the light, but he came to bear witness of it. Well, this light theme shows up throughout the Gospel of John. Most prominent is, again, uh, John chapter 9, where Jesus heals the blind man um, who though blind, sees. And then we see that those who see are actually blind. And then that launches into Jesus saying, I am the light of the world. All right. And um, um, another theme where we see this, uh, I find this stuff fascinating to point out. And I want you to go back and read it yourself and see if you can pick out some of these themes. In chapter three, Jesus meets Nicodemus. This is where we get John three sixteen. 16. Uh, but you'll notice that Nicodemus is actually he comes at night. So the one in darkness comes to the light. In chapter 4, 
It's not an accident, the order that this stuff goes in. Chapter 4, we meet the woman at the whale. When does Jesus encounter the woman at the whale? Noon. It's the brightest part of the day. The sun is directly above. And so, yes, what we usually do is we like to point out she's coming at noon as opposed to early in the morning because she's, she's an outcast of her society. She, you know, all this, and all that's true. But it's also because we need to see that Jesus is light. Here is a woman at noontime who is lost in the darkness of her own making, who finds light. And in the difference between Nicodemus and the woman is quite obvious. Nicodemus is interested in Jesus. He's coming into the light. He's not there yet. He's still in darkness. The woman leaves in the light. Well, you may recall our study of 1 John. What does John say? Um, that those who say they're in the light but hate their brother aren't in the light? Why? Jesus is in the light. It's an old DC Talk song that I love from the Jesus Freak album. Uh, I want to be in the light as you are in the light. So we see logos, we see light, um, and then there is um, life. Jesus is life. Again, the first four verses, you're going to get these these three L's. The fourth one comes later. You get these three L's. Logos, light, life. Jesus is the life. And we see this throughout John's gospel. Um, most prominent are, is, is the resurrection. So uh, Jesus will say in chapter 11, I am the resurrection and the life. Right, he who comes to me will uh, will never die. Right, have eternal life. Throughout the book, he speaks of eternal life. Uh, Come to me, and you have eternal life. Um, the scriptures speak of of, of eternal life. Uh, they may have life uh, in, in abundance. Right, um, uh, John fourteen. I am the um, uh, um, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me, right? As this theme runs throughout, and of course, Jesus lays his life down for his friends only to pick it up again. As this theme is throughout the Gospel of John. There's one other theme uh, that comes a little later, um, and that is Lamb. John the Baptist, who, remember, is not the light, but he comes to bear witness to the light. He says, when, when he sees Jesus, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. This is actually the climax. So, so we see that the Logos language, the life language, and the light language are there to help us understand the Lamb language. And so throughout the gospel, we see Jesus as the Lamb of God, fully divine, light, life. All those have divine uh, connections in the Old Testament. But what we need to see Jesus is that though, the, the, though divine, he is um, Redeemer. And, and he comes to lay his life, da life down for uh, the saints. Now, this is, again, th developed throughout the, the gospel. It shows up several times in chapter 1, um, but most prominent would be the crucifixion itself. In John's gospel, Jesus is executed while the Passover lambs are being slaughtered. In fact, if, if you follow John's gospel, you'll see that there are several Passovers and there's several Passover references. In fact, if it were not for John's gospel, most scholars would assume that Jesus' ministry was a year, two years, because the, 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 the time frames are hard to pick up sometimes. But John mentions several Passovers, and that gives us a time frame. So this is why we think that Jesus' public ministry was three years long, because really because of the gospel of John. 
Well, the reason there's so many Passovers is because Jesus is the Lamb of God. It's at the Passover where you slaughter the lamb uh, and and uh, the Day of Atonement. All, all that stuff is is part of that that imagery. Well, this is this is important for for John. So he wants us to see that while the lambs are being slaughtered in the city, the one outside the camp, to use Hebrew language, the one outside the camp is a dying for the world. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Well, all of this imagery is is connected to Christ in verse 14 of chapter 1. Uh, that uh, the word, the logos, there's that word again, became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten Son of the Father. Now, there's so much there in verse 14. Let me just highlight a few things, because I'm going to try to keep this brief. Um, what we see there is the logos became flesh. That is incomprehensible by Greek thought. In Greek thought, we've talked about this um, in, in other devotions from other books. Gnosticism takes Greek thought that flesh is bad, spirit is good, and and uh, took Christianity and, and and mixed it with Greek thought. So what you have is a is a Jesus who is spirit but not flesh. This was the Antichrist that John spoke of in First and, and Second John. Well. Um, uh, what John does in John 1 is he says he is divine, he's Logos. And the Greeks would say, yeah, I can get with that. But then he would say that the Logos became flesh. And that's where he is attacking really Greek thought and showing us just how radical this message of incarnation is. So John doesn't have a Christmas story, but he has a Christmas theology here. And not just that, it says that, that the Word became flesh, the Logos life lamb light became flesh and dwelt among us. The Word there means that he tabernacled among us, which brings in with us an entire theology of the tabernacle and of the temple. From the Garden of Eden, which I don't have time to explore all this, the Garden of Eden to the Ark, uh, to, um, to, to the actual tabernacle, to the temple, to, and all the way through, we see that what the temple is, is God coming down to dwell with man. We get that in, in the person of Christ. God has come down the person of work to dwell with man. And and that is what Christ is, what Christ has accomplished. There is a man right now sitting at the right hand of the throne of the Father. His name is Jesus, and he was born of a virgin woman. Um, he dwelt among us. So, though flesh, we beheld his glory. Now, later on in this chapter, um, we just talked about this in our Wednesday night Bible studies with Nathaniel. Jesus says, Nathaniel, you're, you're a true Israelite, there ever was one. It's a high compliment. He says, then he adds, I saw you under the fig tree. And Nathaniel's like, okay, you're the dude, right? You knew that I hang out on the fig tree. But Jesus says, but look, that's not what's impressive. You're going to see angels ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Now, a lot of people get confused by some of that. But actually what you have is Jesus referencing back the story of Jacob's ladder. Jacob has a dream. He sees a ladder. And on that ladder, angels are ascending and descending. What did Jesus say? And again, we talked about this a few weeks ago on our Wednesday night Bible study in more detail. He's saying that the difference between Jesus' vision to Nathaniel and Jacob's dream is that there is no ladder. Jesus now is the ladder. He is the logos. He is the light. He is the life. He's the lamb, the one on whom angels ascend and descend. He is the son of God, thus worthy of worship. Man, we barely scratched the surface of, of chapter one, but I think it's enough to chew on. Lord willing, see you guys here tomorrow.